Welcome to the Creative Career Starter Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lyons, and on today's podcast, we'll have a conversation with Chris Pateska. Chris is the owner of Kessel Run Ventures, where he engages in creative, strategic, and experience design for a very select client base. And among the many other accomplishments, he co-founded Carrot Creative in Brooklyn in 2005, a fabulous creative firm that delivered innovative digital experiences at a time when very few firms were delivering innovative digital experiences. And he has since sold that device in 2013. Chris is a creative visionary who always took company culture very seriously. And it showed his people were happy and so were his clients. And he's always been one of the kindest people I have ever known in this business. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's quite an intro. I'm going to save that. Rewrite my LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, I mean every word of it. You are one of my all-time favorites. You're just a great guy. And let's let's start by by hearing a little bit about you because I'll get into how we met. But let's talk a little bit about when I met you. It was 2004, and you were a quiet and very intense <laughs> senior in design school, and you were running the Dave Matthews fan site, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Who was that guy? Who were you then? Oh man, I was. Uh... It's funny because it's a thread in my life that I've recognized more recently in the last year or so as being an important thread. But I was just an excited fanboy um, who loves to design and was, I think, excited. Was it? I, I get passionate about, um, borderline obsessive, but passionate about things that I'm excited by. And, you know, I go all in on it. And I think at that point, you know, we're we're doing great design work and just learning from people. And just, you know, the, the RIT experience I had was was very much, you know, just constant learning. And I was applying the stuff I was learning in class to projects I was working outside of class and meeting people um, of all sorts through the, the community site. So um, I think I was super naive, um, as, you know, as we can only be when we have a lot to figure out of the world in professional sense. But I was also really excited. And so it kind of like counterbalanced that a bit, I think. I remember you bringing the um, layouts for Dave Matthews' CD covers. Yeah. <laughs> in the class and worrying about were you going to get paid or were you being taken advantage of? I mean, that's, yeah, it's a perfect example of that, right? It's, <laughs> it's the most exciting work. I, I mean, still one of my favorite, you know, starts to projects ever was just working for my, my dream client in college. And at the same time wondering like, oh, should I put a contract in place? Am I actually going to get compensated for this? Does it matter? Um, <laughs> so yeah, the juxtaposition of that specific project is pretty much, you know, describes when you and I met. Excited, uh, cool things happening, but no idea what I'm doing in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, that was, speaking of not knowing what I was doing, that was my very first semester teaching at the college Really? Level. I didn't know that. Yeah, you were my, no idea. my first class at, at RIT. And I walked in, and here's this student of mine sitting in the back of the classroom with his wool beanie pulled down over his head, not really talking to anybody, super intense. And the first thing you showed me was work you were doing for Dave Matthews. I thought, oh, my God, I'm in over my head here. What am I going to teach this kid? That's I had no idea. I thought, yeah, I was just, wow. <laughs> I never would have known that. You were, you were, I don't know. It's like you knew right away what I needed to hear. And I figured you're just this sage who had been at RIT for you know, for as long as it took to become, you know, a master or a sage or whatever it is that you <laughs> elevates you to the visit of just knowing what I needed to hear and do. It's, well, it's really I, crazy. I had been running an agency for 20 years. So, yeah, you know, okay, it, was, it was staffed by young creative people. And you sort of have to learn your way around and how to speak their language to get the best out yeah. of them and help them become the people they want to be. 
but as a senior, um, you were also starting Carrot Creative, and you actually designed the initial branding for Carrot in our class. Yeah, that was uh, one thing I, I sort of enjoyed about my college experience was that I I tried to make the work real as possible. A lot of it necessarily is theoretical, especially at that time. It was sort of like, here's the task, here's the idea, here's the, the client brief, so to speak. But for me, it was like, well, if I'm going to do this work, I want to do it on something that is going to be real. And um, because I had been freelancing, I kind of had a, a, a need for that personally. And so the senior project was, you know, design a design system for something. It was, it was pretty open-ended, I think. And for me, it was like, oh, great. Well, this allows me to spend class time <laughs> designing the brand for the company I want to launch to, to continue doing this kind of work after, after school. And so it was just this really nice um, opportunity to, to, with safety and with support, design what would become sort of the brand foundation for, you know, the company. You know, and it also informed the way I um, sort of filled out my chops as a teacher by, by going away from more academic curriculum and into real-world curriculum. Like, the, what you brought into that classroom really shaped the way I continue to teach for, wow. you know, since then, which is get my students engaged in what it is they want to do and, and encourage and support them as they pursue something. And so so talk about building this business from the classroom then ended up in your basement and then ultimately in that beautiful space in Dumbo and then the eventual sale. What a, what a ride that was. Did you envision any or all of that when you started out? No, um, not remotely, but it wasn't. It's hard to answer that question because it's not like I had a grand vision and I knew exactly what we were going to do and it would be successful um, I knew it would be successful mainly because I had found success freelancing. It's like, well, I can continue to do this and I love it. And it was like a foregone conclusion at that point. I found that like, again, that maybe it's a blissful naivety, but like I was excited about it. So why wouldn't it work? I'd proven I could pick up, um, you know, interesting work, certainly, uh, at that point, life goal work already in college, uh, for me. And so I kind of just assumed success and I didn't try to measure or predict success. So there was no five year plan or like scale plan. It was just, well, I love this. I can do it. There seems to be need for it. And a lot of people are, you know, seemingly needed. If, if a, you know, my favorite band is hiring me to work on a, a myriad of, you know, design challenges for them, then holy cow, like I, I assume I can do anything with this. And I just, it wasn't confidence or ego. It was just <laughs> assumption like, Oh, this must be how it works. So yeah, we'll be successful because I love it, and I'll just keep doing it. You always had this intense um, curiosity and fearlessness. When I think back to, um, I mean, for context, 2004, 2000, Facebook wasn't even a thing yet. Social media and those digital platforms yeah. didn't even exist, and yet you started a company that, that made, yeah. your, made your bones on social media before anybody really saw that. Yeah. You saw that very early on. Talk a little bit about that. Where did that vision come from? Um, I, looking back, I understand it much more now, but like it started from, you know, running a fan community, like technology was behind the desire. Um, so like at, there were used nets where you downloaded conversations and caught up and threaded. It, it was this crazy system. And then there were forums, which is a, a very big technological advance where anybody c could create a forum. And obviously forums still exist with Reddit being the most prolific of them. Um, but it was sort of this need for people to connect about the things they were interested in and share and converse and build credibility and, um, and, and have a network of, of people who share their interests um, to some degree. And there were always sort of these niche 
forums and communities that sprung up. So it, it just made sense. Like blogging was just starting when we launched the company, like as being a thing. The word blog had entered uh, <laughs> sort of corporate brand space, uh, space. And the idea that somebody would want to hear from them regularly and it wasn't just like corporate news bulletins going out was a huge revolution for these companies who sent out press releases and talked to you on the backs of their products and maybe answered their phone. They had a 1-800 number. So very rapidly, uh, there was a, this this sort of new medium that technology, uh, you know, transformed into something we started calling social media. But uh, the human need was always there. The consumer need was always there. Just is wanting to connect to people and talk about it, whether it was Lucky Charms or um, your favorite band. So, you know, for us, it just made sense. It's like, oh, well, this is what the Internet's doing. Surely companies are going to have to do this because this is how people will communicate more and more. And, you know, it took shape of what became something that became something that is now Facebook, um, Twitter, and all these things. It just made sense that if, if people are communicating and they're listening and even more importantly paying attention, just spending their time there, companies would need to figure out how to be valuable to that space. So um, I, I'd like to pretend it was like some brilliant revelation, but it was kind of obvious to us, uh, you know, especially from my time with the community. Right. It was. It seems obvious now, but at the time, I remember thinking, Wow, that's a that's a crazy place to start an agency from, because <laughs> yeah. it was it's it's hard it's hard to imagine right now that we didn't have a full understanding of the power of these social platforms back then. But but you saw something. What what was that mindset? What what traits did you have that enabled you to do this? Um, I don't want to press the word naivety, but that was part of it. it like it? I enjoyed it. It made sense to me. I didn't have an agency background. I think if I had been spoiled by conditioning of these structures that came before sort of digital um this digital world we now live in i don't think i could have seen it um i i didn't know any better and i just saw like well, well this is what i do and i see other people doing it i know this is where where people will spend more of their time and you, you could just sort of see it so it's because i didn't have a different perspective i only had my personal experience um which you know rapidly became the college experience as facebook kind of took over it's like oh you can you can contribute to something and other people see it. It was that fun foundational, like MySpace. Where any of these things are just like, I can have a presence. Um, like I was in high school, I was building web pages on these sort of like free hosts they provide you just so you go on and build your own web page. And most people don't do that, but then MySpace allowed them to. And it just shows that people love having a presence on so that they can share with people and the other people can interact with them. And it sort of, to me, it was like, well, this is this is human need to communicate and be valued and um, be part of a community just manifesting in, in this digital space. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's not so different from what you're seeing now with all different manner of social platforms, whatever they might be. It's just a need to express like TikTok is amazing. And like the revolution of creative expression that's happened during this pandemic is fantastic. People of all ages, all backgrounds, all, you know, all, all differences, are finding the confidence to express themselves, whether their audience is 10 or 10,000, it doesn't really matter because now they have the medium and the tools to do this thing that they're inclined to do. And I think the the only gap is the infrastructure, right? So people are naturally creative and expressive, even if they don't consider themselves creative. But as soon as technology catches up with that need, you know, really cool things happen. So many young designers that I speak with have visions of starting their own company these days. Um, what, what would you say to someone? I mean, typically what I see is that these Young creative people see something, like see how business is done. The inhibitor tends to be, oh, how do I get into that? As opposed to the way you looked at it when you saw an opportunity where nobody was really playing in a space 
and you just grabbed it. And I think that this is sort of the way the world will go. Um, there will always be room and a need for young, excited people who want to do something and who have a difference of opinion on how they do it. I think everybody is a contributor at this point, uh, or most people tend to be, to some to some content somewhere, um, whether it's a you know a personal thread on a messaging platform or TikTok or whatever else it is. And that's valuable because you're creating and you're creating output. And the funny thing about it is that what I've realized, and it's been very humbling in a way, is that like the, the amount of boardrooms I've been in and the, <laughs> the invitations I've had to help inform, you know, significant players in various spaces and companies is it, it's like, why are you talking to me? I, it's because there's something they don't know. They don't understand. And I think there's a, there's actually a power in being somebody who's not yet wired in a way where you're like, okay, this is what I believe. Here's how business works. Here's how these things work. You're free from the burdens of here's how it goes. Um, and you know, the natural thing, like trends happen, social trends happen rapidly and sort of being connected to that, uh, means you're almost qualified as a, as a young professional designer or otherwise to, to have more value than people who are, who get stuck in sort of, you know, proficiencies, you know, it's very easy to get confident and do things and, you know, the, to me, the idea of an expert these days is almost ironic because if you consider yourself an expert, it's like that's not a static thing. Like the world is changing so rapidly. How could you possibly be an expert? Um, you know, maybe medicine and, and certain things, there's exceptions. But in the creative field, I don't believe there's expertise unless you're like I am actively tracking everything and keeping up with it. The real experts are the people who are practicing it and demonstrating it. Um, so it's it's almost a better time than any in my you know heavily biased opinion as an entrepreneur to, to start something because there's so many unknowns and it's a game of catch up. It's not like your, you, your credibility comes from your participation, your ability to do that. A lot of established entities, companies or otherwise can't do like there's a need for active knowing. I always, um, I'm amused when I see companies talking about five-year plans, how, yeah. how in the world do you even go beyond a five-day plan right now? I wouldn't prescribe it. Like there's no reason to, I think, I, so much of like, like what it, I guess my experience with Carrot to sort of track back to your earlier question too is that there was so much we didn't know about business and everything else, and those are mistakes you you have to make um, partially because you just don't understand until you do, or experiences you have to have. Maybe they aren't mistakes, but that doesn't mean like those are just things that you can learn. What you what's special is the skill you have and the energy you have for it. And you'll never have more energy than when you're you're starting your career or when you're pursuing what will become your career. And so to waste it in, you know, trying to, trying to be something that you maybe not meant to be, uh, or find jobs, like it, it, you're going to be learning constantly. Like you're at this point in your career and your life, you're a sponge, but it's like the, everything pragmatic can be learned. You can learn how to do the business stuff, the bookkeeping or who to advise you on that stuff. Anything that's like logistical or might be get in the way of, you know, determination to start something, most of that can just be learned and it will be learned. But like the energy and the opportunity you have as a young professional is sort of a very special and unique time. So whether you're spending it in service to another company that hires you or a project your own or freelancing, I mean, none of this stuff is forever. That's the coolest thing. It's like perpetuity. You can freelance for a while. You can start a company. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't have to go away. It could just sit there while you do something else. It's, I think the idea of a longstanding career is sort of dead. Because how can you plan your life with a company beyond a couple of years, given this year even, you could see major industries that have been shaken up that you never would have imagined. 
So yeah. I feel like the upside of that is comfort in the idea that nothing is permanent. And, and if you look back to last year, did anyone predict 2020? I, I don't think so. No. You could not have described this year in any way that made any sense to anybody. It's just inconceivable. Yep. So let me shift gears just a little bit because you spoke earlier, or it's on your profile, I mentioned about your almost obsession with corporate culture. I spoke with a young designer um, last week who's less than one year out of school and she's looking to leave her first job because the culture is just so toxic. The work is okay, the pay was fine, but it's killing her to dial in each day. So we are now working on job number two. And what a tremendous loss for this company, investing in young talent. It's so crucial and it's so expensive. And they just blew it. They got it all wrong by, by, by treating their young designers so poorly. What, tell me what you brought to the table as it related to culture. How did you create the magic? I don't think it was any one thing. I think humility is a big part of it. I think there's a tendency when you put on a, a leadership role or a management role to f- have to feel like you play a certain part. Um, or feel like you have to demonstrate yourself in a certain way, authoritatively or not. And I don't think that's what leadership is more nurturing um, in my experience with this so far. And so it's like, there's plenty of things I found actually our interns, I I used to learn so much more from them than I could from any other, uh, you know, source on a given day. It's because they're untainted in in a certain way, they have opinions that are unbiased um, by industry or, or trends or, you know, like three jobs before. Um, to me, it was a way for me to, to stay intelligent was to learn from people. And I think it's important for companies to recognize that experience doesn't, you know, limited experience doesn't mean the person cannot contribute or teach something as valuable as somebody who's been there and as a senior person. It's different. Maybe the output is different. The skill level is different, but there's so much to be learned and shared. So I think valuing every person as an opportunity to learn and to teach them, it's, you know, it's symbiotic in that way. And I think when you look at it less of a linear line between job titles and more of a just differences of opportunity to, to share and benefit, it's it changes that paradigm a bit. So to sort of build on that, how do you recognize those necessary traits in young creative talent? What what skills and personality traits do you look for so that they will contribute to a, a positive culture? So to me it's it's again this is my sort of experience in, in the way we, we did things uh, as a caveat but it, passionate people I love people who get excited about something it doesn't even have to be the, if it's hiring designer about the design I want to see that somebody has energy for something I find that uh, at least what suited our culture and what suits my energy is when somebody you know, it could be cooking it could be a hobby it could be you know a social platform it could be photography it, it literally didn't matter dogs as long as there was something that that gave them energy um, maybe it is design that's exciting because you bring that energy to a workplace and as long as you're comfortable sharing that and sharing yourself uh, what i would call fandom in a way <laughs> like i i you know our office was saturated with star wars crap um and that's because i'm a massive star wars fan and i i didn't hold back i was proud of that it was a part of who i am why would i shutter that from you know my not even nine to five it's a 12 hour day experience um, that's just who I am. So when I, when hiring, I look for people, especially young creative talent, like your book is only going to be so built out. It's so much of it'll probably be, be theoretical depending on your, you know, a professor you're lucky enough to have or not, um, to, to help give you some real world experience. But, you know, ultimately you're just looking for a quality of like, you can mature in design. If the skills are there as a baseline, that's why we're having a conversation. But I want to see somebody who, who, 
will bring something and it's it's making the company more interesting because you can get you know jobs exist anywhere why is my offer to this young person any different than you know what they might find in a very competitive industry it's your point people change jobs every year or two what causes them to stay or want to come and it's it's just being a part of something and being valued and being valued for their whole self and who they are and not not this singular function can you execute this type of design for our current need that is the worst way to hire somebody so for a young person having a connection with somebody um who you're talking to i think that's a very important thing to do it's like who are they like that's that's just a good sales tactic in general figure out what makes them human not what their job title is exclusively but just understand that this is a human being you're talking to so you know what is the who are they and i don't know is that does that sort of answer? Yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, I I wrote, I think in the last two weeks, I've written three letters of recommendations for young designers, and I find myself spending so much time talking about that person and what they yeah. brought to the table as it relates to did they brighten the room when they walked in, were they curious, did they, were they just fun to be around, and interesting people, curious and energized people. The work is almost like table stakes. I mean, you have to have yes. the work. You're not going to get in if you can't do the work. But man, for me, the differentiator is just what you're talking about. These you used to call them intangibles. Now, I think they're very tangible now. Yeah, I mean, think about it. It's your exact point. If, if somebody's having a conversation with you, that means they've already done the self-narrative of your work or your profile on LinkedIn or whatever it is. For some, you're having a conversation because they, they look through your stuff without your guidance and they said, okay, um, this person is interesting to me for some reason. So the table stakes aspect of that is you have something they're looking for potentially beyond that. Like you, you can, you can talk about the work, but it's more about how you talk about it. I think one of the biggest turnoffs for me was having people talk about the limitations they had or why this isn't, it would have been better if this, and I think a big part of being a successful professional is how do you, you know, deal with those limitations? Cause that's what professional environments are. It's your best intent shredded away by reality. Um, of different people's intents and their needs. And that's the funny thing. I, I used to be a very precious designer, um, and I learned rapidly that it's it's not about the best design. It's about the best solution for the the people involved, whether it's an end consumer or the stakeholder who needs to prove something on the client side, whatever case it is. So like being positive about it and being a, a you know a excited, energetic person, um, is always a positive thing. But even if you're not, if your energy tends to be more subdued, if you're a little bit more quiet and withdrawn, as I once was, um, it still am, I guess. I'm an extrovert, uh, <laughs> extroverted invert. But, um, you know, there's just showing, showing somebody why you care is important. So talking through your work, if that's what it is, but also asking questions, being thoughtful, anything you can do to express yourself as the complete press person you are, because the work is sort of the medium by which you're talking. So you want to open yourself up and expose more of your your full self to them and, you know, get a sense from them, too, because it's a it's a two sided conversation. If you're having an interview, you want to learn as much as you can about the company, the people you might be working with. Um, and I think I, I've always valued people asking questions during in interviews that are thoughtful, not like what is in it for me or like what are this nuances, the benefits. You can find all that stuff out online or later. It's more like what is it like? To be in this role like what am i gonna see who am i gonna be how do i learn from people um to me having a more human conversation about it is so important on both sides and that concludes part one of our wide-ranging conversation with chris patesco join us next time as we discuss chris's thoughts about the future of the creative industry 
and where young designers can find their place as they begin their careers. If you need help finding your place and figuring it all out, send me an email to chris at creativecareerstarter.com and we can set up a free 30-minute conversation to help get you moving in the right direction. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.